0: Businesses, schools, and churches all over the world are closing because of the coronavirus crisis. And a lot of people are wondering, along with all the churches closing, where is God? And the question of, if God is good, why would he allow the coronavirus? Welcome to the conversation. This is Filter. Hey guys, my name is Aaron Shamp, and I just want to thank you for joining us for Filter. This is a podcast where we seek to equip you with biblical clarity to live in our chaotic world. As of today, uh, as of the time that I'm recording this, worldwide, there are over 3 million cases of COVID-19. And along with that, we are at almost 250,000 deaths across the world from this virus. Uh, Here in the United States, we are approaching Uh, 63 to 65 thousand deaths here just in our country, and I know that depending on what state you're in, uh, each state has its own list of cases and fatalities. And uh, and then in addition to that, we have all these other crises coming up. There are economic issues coming up and societal issues coming up, even more and new divisions among politics. And it's just a crazy time. This pandemic has really rocked our world. And what I want to do in this episode and in the next two, is guide you through this question of if God is good, why did he allow this? So we're going to take a couple of episodes to go through this topic and this question uh, for me to provide you a defense, whether you are a Christian who is wondering this or who has been asked this, or whether you're someone who's not a Christian and you are wondering this, you're considering if there is a God and if he is good, why would he allow something like this to happen to us? Like I said, I'm going to take about, uh, I'm going to take three episodes to do this. And what I'm going to do in this episode today is primarily just introduce the problem. And so what is it that makes the coronavirus unique? I think that the uniqueness of this crisis that we're going through is that it has made all of us feel vulnerable. I think it's the experience, this this newfound experience of vulnerability that we didn't quite have before That has made this crisis uh, quite unique and uh, something that has really rocked us, as I said before. Um, Even if you're not someone who's in one of the high-risk categories, it it has definitely uh, affected all of us in one way or another. And why is that? Why is it that that this issue, this crisis, has made us feel especially vulnerable? I think it's because of this. Because we know about a multitude of pandemics and epidemics Throughout history, right? They are recorded for us going all the way back to ancient history. Uh, even the Bible uh, uh, records for us in the Old Testament, going back many years, cases of pandemics and plagues happening in certain areas. And so we know about all these different issues in history. and And the one up until this that was the closest to us was still over a hundred years ago with the uh, with the Spanish flu epidemic. And there have been some. If we look at like the last two decades. There have been some uh, pretty bad cases of pandemics, but they were mostly localized to, uh, to other areas. So in other words, even though there were some that were in history, they were in other places that primarily were not the modern uh, you know, um, uh, portion of Western civilization. And so I think what that happened, or I think what that did is it made us start to think that our society was secure from something like this. We thought that we were secure from something like this. We thought that our modern scientific society was a fortress. But what coronavirus realized is that it was a house of cards. And as soon as the coronavirus came into our society, everything crashed. The house of cards came tumbling down. And so many of the things that we once counted on and even took for granted, we have now experienced the loss of. We are now uh, realizing how much... We took those various things for granted and it's that that has made us feel very vulnerable. The loss of all the things that we used to count on and take for granted um, and uh, the way that we thought that we had as a civilization progressed beyond something like this being able to happen to us. And so what this crisis is doing and that experience of vulnerability is doing is it is forcing us to ask big questions because that is what pain always does. Like I said before, we're all experiencing some kind of pain from this, even if it is just the pain of isolation, all the way up to the pain of becoming uh, seriously ill and uh, and death or someone you know dying. We're all experiencing pain of one kind or another, and it's forcing us to ask big questions because that's what pain does. In his book, The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, we can ignore pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Pain always causes us. As Lewis says, it is something that demands being attended to. And so very often where we face some sort of pain in our life, whether it is emotional, psychological, Physical or otherwise, we start asking big questions about life, and so these big questions that we start asking because of this uh, this new pain and vulnerability that we are experiencing is something that is called the problem of evil. If you aren't familiar with that, this is something called the problem of evil. Let me explain to you what the problem of evil means. So first of all, what are we talking about when we talk about evil and the problem of evil? There are two main categories that we refer to in discussing the problem of evil or the problem of pain which is natural evils versus human evils and so natural evil is really somewhat of a misnomer because when we talk about natural evil what we are referring to is something that is not quite as much evil as it is tragedy and frailty so um so natural evil is something that the coronavirus would fall into this category right it is just something that is a part of nature it is something that is part of our chaotic world that is causing us to experience pain uh, natural disasters such as hurricanes tsunamis earthquakes tornadoes that cause havoc and you know destroy whole neighborhoods or cities and whatever else these are also things that we would look at and call natural evils when if we look at the animal world and we see uh, incredible brutality happening Um, between animals or incredible brutality happening from an animal to a human these are things that we also call tragedy uh, the frailty of life or something that would be a natural evil once again whenever we see a lion or a a pack of lions being incredibly brutal to their prey that they're going to eat we do not condemn them for murder, right? So really, it, like I said, it's a misnomer because natural evils aren't really a moral category. I much more prefer the term tragedy. But tragedy is still very much a part of the problem of evil. So the second category is a moral category, which is human evil. This is malevolence. This is, uh, this is uh, actions of evil, which are morally wrong, which are rightfully called evil, which are done with malevolent intent. This is the pain that happens at human hands in our life. Very often, what happens is you have tragedy. So, something that is just a a, a tragic or catastrophe that happens in our world. And then the tragedy is exacerbated by human evil. Let me give an example of this. So, in our case right now, we have the tragedy of the, in the catastrophe of the coronavirus crisis. And then we have the, uh, human evil element come into it in panic buying and hoarding of resources and whatever other forms that might come into that. And so you can see how malevolence can exacerbate tragedy. Now it is, let me just note that human evil is something that can be both intentional and unintentional. We actually make uh, a little bit of provision for both of those. So very often it's something that is intentional. It can be light forms of intentional malevolence, such as lying, mockery, or so on, all the way up to something which is extreme and even systematized in a society or nation. Um, And those are all intentional actions of human evil. But then there is also the unintentional things, uh, such as car wrecks or other forms of unintentional harm done by One person to another. And so, human evil, malevolence, sometimes we can't necessarily call it malevolence because it's an unintentional act of human evil causing pain. Now, I've already kind of alluded to this, but just let me highlight that very, very often we don't just see one of these, but we see both tragedy and malevolence mixing together and intensifying one another. As I said before, a pandemic can lead to uh, hoarding and panic buying or economic downturns and it can and that that uh, so that natural catastrophe can then lead to uh, malevolent actions by governments and authoritarians or uh, bad economic policies and whatever else it can be very very often we see the two mix together and intensify one another so this is the evil this is the pain and suffering that we're talking about when we talk about the problem of evil, we look around at our world and we see catastrophe, tragedy, the frailty of life. We see malevolence. We see uh, unintentional actions of pain and suffering happening between people. We look around at all these things and we wonder to ourselves: In a world so full of suffering, how can there be a good God? This is the problem of evil. The classic place uh, location that we find. Uh, The problem of evil articulated is in a book by the Scottish philosopher David Hume. David Hume was an uh, Enlightenment-era Scottish philosopher. He was a rationalist. And in his book, he has a conversation going on between a uh, couple of fictional characters. And the character Philo says this. And so this is what is considered the classical uh, form or location of the problem of evil. Philo in David Hume's book says, uh, "Epicurus, is, referring to the ancient Greek philosopher, Epicurus's old questions are yet unanswered." Is he talking about God? Is he willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is impotent. Is he able but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Whence then is evil? Let me break it down for you for just a second. What he is saying is, on the one hand. Um, is either God good but unable to stop evil from happening? If that's the case, then how can he be God if he is not powerful enough to stop evil? On the other hand, is he able to, but he is not willing to stop evil and pain from happening? Well, then he cannot be good. And so how can a God that is both powerful and good exist in a world where there is evil and suffering? That is the question. That's the problem of evil. A little bit after this, what one of the other characters... Uh, Cleanthes, I probably completely botched that pronunciation, but Cleanthes says the only method of supporting divine benevolence, and it is what I willingly embrace, is to deny the absolute misery and wickedness of man. What that means is, is that the core of this question comes down to this issue. With all of the evil and suffering in our world, how can there be a good God? Because if we consider that question, if we consider the problem of evil There is nothing about it that necessitates against the existence of of God or a God in general. Um, There is nothing about evil and there's nothing about no matter how much suffering or pain there exists in our world that would necessitate that there cannot be a God at all. What it really creates a problem for is how there can be a good and loving God, such as the God that the Christian worldview proclaims and in which Christians believe. This is what Richard Dawkins himself said in his famous book, The God Delusion. He wrote that the problem of evil is an argument only against the existence of a good God. And that's the question that we are trying to figure out. In light of all the suffering that's going on in the world, how can a good God truly exist? If he is good, how can he allow the coronavirus crisis? And all the tangential sufferings and mixed in malevolence and tragedies that are happening because of it. If he is good, how can all this suffering exist? What we need to understand is this, that not only Christianity, but every worldview needs to account for the problem of evil. It is primarily an issue, like I said, for um, the question of the existence of a good and loving God. However, every worldview must account for the issue of the pain and suffering, the catastrophe and the malevolence that we see in our world. And it is that issue that I'm going to get to in our next episode. I'm going to survey our predominant worldview options and uh, survey them with the point of uh, seeing what they have to say for understanding this crisis. Because what we need is a worldview that provides us with An answer which is uh, satisfying in three ways an answer which is intellectually satisfying which is emotionally satisfying and which is spiritually satisfying bringing insight because we need an answer that brings all those things and brings insight so that by making sense of the coronavirus we can then progress in character formation Because in the best of circumstances, and whenever we are equipped with the best resources from a worldview, pain is something that can add to uh, the formation of a better person. As the great Russian author, uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky wrote, he said, pain and suffering are always inevitable for a large intelligence and a deep heart. So, which worldview will help us to make sense of this pain and suffering to provide us with a larger intelligence and a deeper heart. Let me encourage you uh, to join us for the next two episodes where I'm going to progress in uh, answering this question and providing a defense for the Christian worldview. Uh, in between these episodes, check out our show notes for highlights and resources from this episode to uh, dig into this topic a little bit deeper. I just want to thank you guys so much for joining us for the conversation. I hope that what this episode did is it helped you to take the first steps in providing some clarity in the chaos of the world that we're living in. If this show has helped you, if this episode has helped you, would you please consider leaving us a review, subscribing to our show on whatever platform you prefer, and especially if you would share it with a friend. I'm Aaron Champ. Thank you guys once again for being a part of this show. You have been listening to Filter.